All right, so I had a, uh, <clears throat> I had a situation um, internally when we, we traveled. Uh, so we were on vacation and we were gone for nine days, something like that, off work. It was great, it was fantastic. Haven't had that much time off in a long time. Got to spend time with people I love uh, every waking moment, and it was phenomenal. I feel very rested, feel very rejuvenated. On the way back on one of the plane rides, so we had two, two legs of flying uh, each way on the way back. I believe it was from um, Seattle to, uh, to Wichita. I had a moment there on the plane as I was uh, just in my head, and maybe this happens to you when you fly, maybe you've watched too many movies like I have, and I, for some reason, always imagine what it would be like if the plane just exploded midair. I know this sounds terrible and tragic, but like I said, I've seen too many movies. Um, and I really had a moment, and I thought to myself, gosh, what if I die on this flight? Like, what if we're just gone? <laughs> and I start, I get a little emotional because I was not ready to die. I was afraid of death. And I had a moment, I was like, God, why? Something about me is still partnered with the spirit of death, believing that death will come, even though Jesus has already said, if a man believes in me, even though he dies, he will live. And so I wrestled. I thought, what in the world? You know, why? And, I, and I like really thought about it. Like sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not going to die, I'll be fine. But I like really in my mind thought, what if? And it messed with me a little bit, you know? And I don't think I've fully processed it. But I submitted it to the Lord as we talked about a couple weeks ago when we said we give our thoughts and our attitudes to the Lord for judgment, right? And I said, God, here it is. I need you to sort this out. Um, here's something in me. Like, you say that I, I, I'm not going to die. I will live eternally. It, especially now, I'm marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. I am already living in eternally, living in eternity spiritually, but my body is, is still here. And, and for some reason, I, I, I was fearful at the thought of losing my, my flesh and bone. <clears throat> so I said, "Okay, God, I have to give this to you." And so this kind of paved the way for the sermon uh, this morning, as I was uh, just kind of reading and thinking. And so let me just tell you real quick. I fell into the sermon trap, uh, the performance trap concerning sermons, and I was thinking to myself, gosh, what am I going to teach on? And I was like, well, let me get the Bible out. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I think that is the wrong way to go about it. Now, I'm not saying I don't use the Bible for sermon prep, but I was only going to Scripture so that I would have something to say. I then said, okay, God, you lead me to Scripture and show me. Somehow, I ended up in 1 John. I couldn't tell you how. I, I don't know. I can't remember the process. But as I was praying, I think maybe something came to mind, and I went to look it up. And then I, I found this scripture, and it says, uh, in 1 John 2.28, it says, And now little children abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. And so I have... I posed the question, how would we react to the coming of Christ? And when I read the scripture, it reminded me of much of my life as a Christian, being so fearful and cowering at the presence of the Father. Um, I still weep 
<laughs> when the Father works on me. I just think that's how he's made me. But I can remember very specifically a moment in time when I was in high school. And gosh, as a baby Christian in high school, I was all over the place emotionally. Like I, I'm sure I, I believed the gospel, but then I fell into this works-based Situation, performance. If I can only be good, then I'll, you know, I'll be good in the eyes of God. I'm like all this stuff, and and I remember uh, going to this church called New Life, and it was a uh, church I went to because there were a group, there was a group of break dancers in our high school called the Gospel Hip Hop Squad. It was G G two H or something like that, or G H I can't remember G H two S Gospel Hip Hop Squad, and uh, I used to break dance and do graffiti and all that. So when I was like hanging out with these dudes. It was like, and they were believers in Jesus and graffiti artists. I'm like, hold up, is that a thing? And so I was hanging out with the gospel hip hop squad and going to this church. And um, these people were the kind of guys that over lunch would invite people to a Bible study. And this dude who's like in 11th grade, 17 years old, is preaching the word of God to a group of high schoolers. And I'm sitting there like, wow, like blown away. So I start going to this church uh, called New Life, and it was kind of the same um, way that I had functioned all the way through my 20s as I would go and I'd get really involved and I'd be like on fire for Jesus, and then I would backslide and get back into stupid things, and then I'd find another church, you know, and I'd, I'd be in and I'd be all in and I'd be friend, rubbing elbows with the pastor and the youth guy and, and you know, um, they would see some sort of leadership potential on me and want to make me do stuff really quick because I had potential, but I was very, very immature. And I just remember one day there at, at New Life, um, I'd never experienced anything like it. And, and as I think back and I, and I see it in my mind, it, it was like I, I had my eyes closed probably the entire worship service, and I was on the floor and I was face down. And the whole time I was there weeping because it was as though in the building right in front of me stood the Lord Jesus. It, I mean, I remember his presence so, so thick and I couldn't look at him. And I just wept because I felt so unworthy and I felt so ashamed of the life that I've lived and the stupid things that I've done and, and I just, I couldn't look at him. And I didn't know to listen back then and, and receive the words that he had to speak on me. He would have said, I love you. <laughs> Look at me, you know. But I just remember being there just weeping, 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 just so ashamed. And when I read the scripture, I think of that time. Right? So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. So if Christ returned and walked through the door, what would we do? It did, I, at this point, I would run to him, I'd kiss his feet, I'd embrace him, I would love him as he loves me. Amen. Right? Because he first loved me, I love him. There was a time where I would cower. And I don't know where you're at in that situation, but it made me think about it. I don't know that I would shrink back in shame from his coming, but for some reason I wrestled with the thought of dying. But I know that to be absent in the body is to be present with Christ. <laughs> and so I want that. Just had this internal struggle. And so I believe that the Lord is, 
has led us in this direction because um, he wants us, again, to have confidence and not live in shame. What have we been talking about the past couple of weeks that we've been here? The Lord is wanting to address the thoughts of our mind. He's wanting to break the lies of the enemy. He's wanting to give us confidence in who we are. He's wanting to give us uh, more understanding of our identity, not so that we just know it, but we live in it and walk in it. And he's continuing. He wants to imprint upon our hearts. He wants to, to seal us, to mark us like, like a tattoo, brand us with our identity in Christ. He wants us to know who we are, and he doesn't want shame. He doesn't want us to live feeling guilty. Right? He wants to address those issues. And so here's how he addresses them. I found one scripture where he says, um, well, actually go back first John, it says, and now little children abide in him. And so the answer to this is abiding. It says Jesus counsels us to abide. So abiding conquers shame and gives confidence to the believer. This is what abiding in Christ will do. It does so much more, but this is one facet of abiding in Christ. It'll help conquer that shame because when we get into the presence of the Lord and we allow him to speak over us and to counsel us according to the things that are going on in our head and our heart that we're believing that are a lie about ourselves, he will correct those things. But we have to get into his presence and allow him to speak to us. He, and, and so we, he, if we come at him weeping and shameful and, and cowering, he'll, he'll simply lift our head up and say, look at me, my little child. He'll speak to us and he'll address and correct. Think about the way that if you're a parent or if you've seen a parent address a child, when a child's weeping, a good parent with compassion and love will say, it's okay, take a deep breath, look at me, it's okay. There have been times where Ilana has, she's hurt herself or done something, or maybe she's been scared or whatever it is, and she's, she's crying. And the first thing we do, and what Kim will do is she'll say, come here, let me hold you. <laughs> what a beautiful image of the father to his children. Come here, I want to hold you. <laughs> Gosh, how good is that? That the father desires just simply to, to hold us and embrace us and love us with his presence. Come here, come and be with me. And as we approach him and we are with him, then he addresses us with the words that we need to hear and gives us the love and the mercy that we need in that moment. So Jesus counsels us to abide. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. I think one of the reasons that we shrink from him in shame, and we're shameful, we feel guilty, is because we don't feel like we've done enough, we'll ever do enough, we'll ever be good enough, we'll ever arrive, we'll ever, whatever it is, insert future me here, right? I, I say this all the time, that there's no future version of myself that is more worthy of his love. That the me now is accepted in the eyes of God because of Christ Jesus. And so, when we abide, or excuse me, I think we shrink because we don't feel like we've done enough, right? We've not been successful. We've not helped build the kingdom enough, whatever it may be. And he says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So if we're worried about bearing fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, uh, 
self-control, right? Um, the fruit, I've not been loving enough, I've not been kind enough, I've not been patient. We feel bad about our sin, we feel guilt, that kind of stuff, right? If we abide in Christ, if we remain in Him, which I think also means to remain with Him, in Him, with Him, if we stay with Christ, we don't get away, we keep focused, He deals with those things. And when we, when we um, abide in Him, that's when we bear fruit. That's when we see things start to flow out of our lives. And so let me just say something real quick. Um, I want to say something about shame. And then I want to talk about abiding. So shame is the painful feeling arising from the consciousness of something dishonorable, improper, or ridiculous, etc. done by oneself or another. And so shame is a painful feeling arising from this understanding that we've done something wrong or that we've done something bad. And so what I like about this definition is that it says uh, something ridiculous. As a, as a follower of Jesus, have you ever felt just stupid? Like, why did I do that? Have you ever felt ridiculous? Gosh, I, I can't even believe. And we feel dumb. Like, anytime I do something just stupid, the last thing I want to do is admit it. Can you believe how ridiculous that was? Like, I can't even believe I did that. It's so crazy. Like, maybe I wasn't thinking or I just made a dumb decision, whatever it is. But the shame is that painful feeling that arises and so Christ says, okay, abide to deal with that. Come to me, remain in me. And so I want to give a quick definition of this word abide. It says to remain in, so to stay. It says depend on, wait on, and I would say wait in. Because he says, I'm the vine, you're the branch. The, the branch is connected to the vine. The the, the beginning of the branch is actually rooted then into the vine. It flows from the vine. And so the one thing, I'll just read this. The one thing needed for fruit bearing is that we abide in Christ and he in us. That the branch adhere to the vine and the life of the vine flow into the branch. The branch's only job is to receive what the vine has to give. That's the job of the branch. To just receive what the vine is giving. So when Jesus says, abide in me, he's saying, come to me as your source for all things. He is the source of all things. He is our everything. And so we have to remain in him. And so I think about this situation. I think about, well, why was I scared of death? And I think about maybe not having confidence when approaching the Lord. Has anybody here ever, and I know maybe not everybody will say they have, but, um, or maybe they haven't, but has anybody here ever not wanted to go to the Lord in prayer? You just were like, I, I just can't do it today, mm -hmm. right? Because you feel dirty or you feel gross or shameful or whatever it is, guilty, like I just can't even do it right now, right? I've felt that way. But the Lord says, no, come to me. One of the phrases I love to use is, and, and I've heard other people use this phrase, is you run to Jesus dirty. Run to him dirty. Right? Don't try and take a bath before you take a shower. Right? Does it make any sense? We run to the Lord. So the remedy I see is that we ought to abide in Christ more. I don't know about you, 
Um, but I've not been the most disciplined kind of guy concerning spiritual disciplines. Uh, there are a lot of things that people suggest to do. Um, one of the, the main responses I hear from people and that I've heard my entire life when I say, uh, man, I just don't feel close to God anymore. And then what do they ask you? Have you been reading your Bible and have you been praying? <laughs> right? I think it's I think it's possible to pray to God and not listen and not hear from Him, and I think it's possible to read the Bible and not engage the Spirit while doing it. I'm just saying it's possible. It's possible. I think that we need more abiding, and I think that I need more abiding, and so. What I want to do this time is I want to submit to you a simple tool that the Lord impressed upon my heart um, a couple weeks ago. Now, there are various types of this kind of tool. Um, people use in, uh, in Sozo, it's called declarations. Um, I've heard it called commanding your morning. Um, I've heard it called a daily devotional. Um, and granted, what you do during those times depends on, um, you know, just what it calls for. But a couple of weeks ago, I noticed myself struggling in my thoughts and struggling in my day. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit saying to me um, that I needed to begin my day by focusing on the Spirit. You know, first thing, first fruit of my day, first thoughts, first uh, first moments. This morning, I woke up with a really bad secular song in my head. Have you ever heard of Korn? K-O-R-N. Right? Now, granted, they have two Christians on their band now, which is an interesting situation. But I used to listen to these guys way back in the day, and they had bad lyrics. I mean, it's not very good. And I, there's this one song that's like terrible, 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 terrible lyrics. And I woke up with that song in my head this morning. And I'm like, what is going on? It's like, I've got to get that out. I've got to get that out. And i got to get it out now. I'll tell you, last night, um, when I was considering today, I was starting to fall into this performance trap. And I thought, what am I going to say? Is it going to be good? Is, you know, like, Lord, you've showed up in such powerful ways. You know, I want to, I want to match that this Sunday. Like, you know, it just, it was foolish. And, and I just reminded myself, I said, you've been gifted by the Spirit through Christ to teach and lead the body of Christ, to encourage and build them up. Encourage them and build them up. Okay, Lord, that's very simple. I will do that. But I had to shift my focus. I had to shift my source. And we talk about this a lot. I think this is a very practical tool to help you do this. And so what I want to do is I want to present to you my uh, declaration independence, right? Not my declaration of independence. We are in dependence of God. The, the branch depends on the vine. We depend on Christ for all things, for righteousness, for purity, for holiness, for right standing in the eyes of the Father. We depend on his body, his blood, his sacrifice, that takes us through the veil that was torn into his presence, into the Father's presence. We depend on him for all things. And so I'm submitting to you a, a tool 
for a daily declaration of dependence on the Father, on Christ. It's very simple. I don't think there's anything mind-boggling or hyper-revelational about any of this stuff. It's just very practical. And so when the Lord was showing me, you need to start your day focused, I thought about all the ways that my mind gets away from me during the day and all of the challenges that I face. And then the Lord showed me all of the declarations and the focuses I needed that morning to combat this. It's very simple. So let me take you through this. And so my declaration, independence. So shifting focus and shifting source. We talk about that a lot of times. Uh, real quick, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And we were trying to, trying to fill a pool with water. We needed 10,000 gallons. What's quicker, a fire hydrant or a water hose? A fire hydrant, right? Or a spigot, because a water hose does connect to a fire hydrant. It just has more water coming through it, right? So a spigot, a spout, or a, water, or a fire hydrant, right? A fire hydrant. So if we were to shift our source, we get more flow, more water, quicker, faster, stronger. And this is what it is with Christ. Apart from me, you can do nothing, he says. So we must shift our source for the day for all things to Christ. And so Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And so too often we navigate this world through a worldly perspective. And so as I wake up on a daily basis... What I need to do is shift my mind, my heart and my mind on things above. So set your mind on things above, set your heart on things above. Very simple. Moving on. I remind myself that Jesus is my source for all things. So I shift my focus on things above, and then I shift my, my sourcing to Christ. And so I put nine things in here, and... I was supposed to have more lines there, but it's not theirs. There's just one. But this is for you to tweak and turn as you feel led. Because, again, these are the things that I had to submit to the Lord as I pray on a daily basis. I have to say, Jesus, you are my source of fulfillment. I don't need to have a certain job or a certain amount of money or achieve a certain thing or complete a certain task in order to be fulfilled. And for far too long, I have tried to find fulfillment in my place of work. Jesus is my source of fulfillment. If I'm not experiencing joy at work, it's because I'm not sourcing Christ as my joy. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. Why am I walking through the door of my job and then leaving Jesus outside? Right? He could be there with me at my desk, which sometimes is a grueling situation, and I can find joy in that place. So he is my fulfillment. He's my joy. Jesus is my, the source of my purpose. He's the source of my self-control. He's the source of my finances. He's the source of my confidence. Again, 1 John 1, so that you may have confidence. He is my source of purity. Now, this is a very personal situation for me because uh, lust has been something I've dealt with my entire life. And I've tried so hard over and over again to do better. I've been trying to source from will and flesh to be better and do better. Jesus is the source of my purity. If I will be pure, he will make me pure. He's my source. Jesus is the source of my hope, and Jesus is the source of my love. He's the way that I love. I taught a sermon one time that says, love like Jesus loves. And in order for us to love like he loves, we have to know his love and allow that love to transform us and to inform the way that we give love to others. And so 
You just, in this situation, you just say, Jesus is my source for, and you write out all the things you need to trust him for and depend on him for. And then we declare that, right? All of this is, all of this is a declaration. So we have to go back through and we have to say, Father, I'm going to set my mind on things above. I'm going to set my heart on things above. You're seated in the heavenly realms and I'm seated with you there. That's the place where you tell me to focus. My, my mind is there. My heart is there. Jesus, you're my source for all things. I give you. And so essentially, as we're doing this, we're breaking agreements with self and world. And we're coming into agreement with Christ and everything that he has and everything that he says. And so then another thing I have to do is I have to say, in Christ, I am. Because oftentimes I try to be apart from him. And as we try to be apart from him, again, as John 15 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we must be in Christ. So I declare, and there's so many more of these, but I say in Christ, I am righteous. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am holy and pure and blameless in the eyes of the Father because I'm clothed in Christ. And when God sees me, he sees his son whom he loves and whom he's proud of. Amen. I have to see myself that way in Christ because oftentimes I don't. I don't feel righteous. That one thing I did yesterday was not righteous. How am I righteous in the eyes of the Lord? Well, apart from Christ, you aren't. But in Christ, you are. That's the gospel. That's the good news. The good news is we are righteous in Christ because of what he did. And you do nothing but believe by faith. And it's such good news. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. In Christ, I'm righteous. In Christ, I'm loved. In Christ, I'm accepted. In Christ, I'm powerful. In Christ, I'm seated in the heavenlies. In Christ, I'm a vessel of glory. I'm a carrier of heaven. I'm a priest. I'm a king. I'm forgiven. I'm favored. I'm pure. Right? Am I trying to source from self for purity? Or am I depending on him for my purity and believing that in him I am pure? For God can set no wicked thing before him, yet I'm seated next to him in Christ. Am I wicked in his presence? No. What a beautiful reality that we can focus on and just remind ourselves on a daily basis. Give us this day our daily bread, Lord. Feed us, remind us, give us providence. It's not just finances, although it is, but it's also giving us all spiritual things. Paul says, for I'm convinced that Christ will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches. My Father will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Everything that is in Christ, the riches of the spiritual and the heavenly are ours. Yes, some finances, it's building, it's buildings, it's businesses, it's land, it's electronics, it's anything to build his kingdom. But it is also all of the spiritual riches of Christ. And let me tell you, he's rich. I had a vision of, the, of this room, and I know Kim, or excuse me, Kim, yeah, and Chris can tell you more about it, but this room filled with gold and, and treasures and jewels, and if you've ever seen, uh, what is that, ducktails, mm -hmm. right? And he's like sliding down these mountains of gold. I had a vision of this room, and the Father said, I will to provide, and I will provide. It's like, wow, right? So good. All things. All things.
So, you can say in Christ and declare and remind yourself and agree with all of the things that we are because we are in Christ. I love to talk about this because Christ has his enemies as his footstool and his enemies are below him. Because we're in Christ, our enemies are below us because his feet are our feet. Right? And so then I just threw this in here, this purpose statement. And I made this statement based on the gifts that I know that I've been given to help the body of Christ, but I left it blank for you to fill that in. Because you know where the Lord has gifted you or what he's called you to do. And even on a daily basis, you can change the statement. And so my purpose statement today was by God's grace. Today, I will teach and I will lead according to his will in heaven, made possible by the power of the spirit in me, given by Christ alone. Just said, that's what I'm going to do. And I remember um, I had this experience um, and I was in prayer and, you know, focused on the Father in the heavenlies and there and saying, okay, Lord, what do you have? And I think Christine was leading us through this and she said, the Lord has a gift for you today. Ask him what that gift is. I said, Jesus, what do you want to give me? And he gave me this big, huge diamond, like this clear diamond. It was so beautiful. And I, I swallowed it. I said, okay, Lord, what is that? And he said, you're going to speak with clarity and precision, and people are going to see my glory. <laughs> Woo! So how do I feel? Sometimes I feel like I'm a rambling fool, but I remember in my mind, I say, no, I'm speaking with clarity. The Lord will make it clear. And he will give me precision in the words that I speak. And the other thing about a diamond is when you hit it with light, the facets of the diamond shoot the light out like a prism. I'm simply a vessel to reflect his glory. The diamond does not produce light of its own. It reflects light so that people see the glory. And this is what the Lord has shown me. And so I can, in full faith and assurance, know that by God's grace, I can teach and lead according to his will by the Spirit in me today. Tomorrow, whatever it may be, by God's grace, today I will do the best that I can to create graphics and video for the company that gives me a paycheck to sustain my family given by God, right? According to his will in heaven, made possible by the power of the Spirit. Right? We fill that in and we declare it, we believe it, and we have full faith and assurance. And again, it's faith. None of this is, this isn't an incantation. It's not some spell or some thing that we chant that has a power on its own. It is the power is made possible by our agreeing with the Spirit in us by faith that this is true and this is real. Faith is the currency of heaven, they say. And so we, we give our faith, we spend our faith, and faith produces. It's the substance of things hoped for, the belief in things not yet seen. I believed that today I would, and I hadn't yet, and then I did because of the faith that God has given me. Amen? Amen? So, moving on, flip your page over. I remind myself of the, this work of, of the Spirit in me. Holy Spirit, He, Him, the per, a person of the Trinity, Holy Spirit will remind me of what Christ has said. So I'm reminding myself of what the Spirit will be doing in me. There's many more things that the Spirit does. I just personally needed to focus that the Spirit would remind me of the things that Christ has said. Jesus said, when he comes, he will remind you of the things I've said. 
He also said he'll show you things to come. Right? So he says, uh, the Holy Spirit will tell me what the Father said to me. The Holy Spirit will search the depths of God. That's a good one. It's a good one to me because I want to know the deep things of God. Deep calls out to deep. Holy Spirit will lead me and guide me in all things. Why should I worry? He will lead me where I need to go. So I'm going to read you from 1 John 2.27. It says, but you, need, you guys need to just go read 1 John 2. It's super good. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you. There's some more abiding, right? And you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And so one... I find it interesting that it says you, you have no need that anyone should teach you, but the body is gifted to teach, so then why the teachers? Because the teachers are only meant to remind you of what is already true, and as it is spoken, the Holy Spirit says yes and amen. And it resonates, and it's the sounding board. The Holy Spirit is the sounding board for the things that man speaks and teaches so that the Spirit can discern the Spirit and either say yes and amen or there's something funky about that. Right? And so the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, the anointing abides in us and he will teach us and lead us and guide us and show us all truth. And not only that, but the spirit in us will give us desire to abide. We want, I want to be with the Lord. I want to be in his presence. I want to sit at his feet. I want to be Mary listening to the words that Christ is speaking. Instead of running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Mary, Mary. Martha, Martha, excuse me. Right? And the other one here, 1 John 2.20, says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. And so just to remind myself, the Holy Spirit is the, the source of my anointing, which is, is a pouring out and a pouring over. It's symbolic. It's a pouring out of oil over something. And the oil of my life that is good for healing, <laughs> that is good for consumption, comes from the Spirit. Amen? And the last thing I would, I would say here, and again, this thing is, uh, it's organic. And as the Lord leads you to add, you add. As the Lord leads you to take away, you take away, whatever it may be. It may be stone cold, stone, like, just hard truth to me one day that, like, man, Jesus is my purity, and it's, it's good. But for some reason in this season, I'm still trying to source from self, and so it's still on my list. And the Lord may say, no, you got it. And so this thing can be organic, right? <clears throat> so the last thing I say will be, I will, see, I will see things through the eyes of God. Problems are opportunities, and trials are cause for rejoicing. We must navigate this world through the lens of the Father and His purposes and His will. Because we'll get caught up when something breaks, when something doesn't go right, when something goes awry. We'll see that situation, and some of us, it'll take us out, and it'll cause us stress and anxiety and doubt and fear and hopelessness, and, and kick us into a downward spiral, and we end up in a dark place because we didn't allow that situation to do what it's meant to do. Trials are meant to build us, right? Isaiah 48.10 says, See, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. That affliction is the furnace 
that test our faith and that as we have our faith tested, we are refined and he burns off impurities. In the end, we are perfect. We're perfect. How do you know a metal has been refined? You can see a reflection in it. <laughs> and as you are perfectly refined, people will look at you and see the reflection of God. It's so good. And so that is all I have. Apart from this, I have these sheets. I printed this from a website. I pulled it out and put it together. I wish I had that kind of time. But this is just a sheet. And then, gosh, I don't know how many lines that is. 30, 40 lines worth of scripture. Um, scripture references. So you have to do the work and look them up yourself. But this is just a declaration page. And I would couple this page with this page. Um, and at the top it just says, I am in Christ. And I'll just read a few so you can get an idea of of what this says, but then also the power behind it. So, I am complete in him who is the head over all rule and authority of every angelic and earthly power, Colossians 2.10. I am alive with Christ, Ephesians 2.5. I am free from the law of sin and death, sin and death, Romans 8.2. Um, I am far from oppression and I will not live in fear, Isaiah 54.14. I am born of God and the evil one does not touch me. I am holy without blame before him in love. I have the mind of Christ. I have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. The spirit of God who is greater than the enemy in the world lives in me. I receive abundant grace and the gift of righteousness and reign in life through Jesus Christ. I receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. The eyes of my heart are enlightened so that I know the hope of having life in Christ. And it goes on and on and on. More identity, more reality of who you are in Jesus. And this needs to become a true reality. And as we live here and we focus here, all the shame, all the fear, and all the lack of confidence as we abide in Christ, it, it, it dies off. And Jesus simply says, come to me, right? Come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I love that line that we sing where it says, and then the, the peace of God, and I finally find rest, right? But what's the line, the, the peace of God? And the peace comes over me, and finally I rest. So beautiful. It's so beautiful. And so I desire for you, and the Father desires for you, to remain in Him, to abide in Him on a daily basis. And whenever you find time, even if it's not when you wake up, for me, He's saying, you need to do it first thing, because I find myself at 3 p.m. way off in another land. You know, you say, no, you 6 a.m., you are focusing, Jason. And so I just simply wanted to share this tool to you to help you to battle some of these things that I've battled personally. Amen? Amen. Are you grateful? Yes. Good, good, good. Does anybody have anything to say? What was the first part? I didn't hear. Abiding, conquers. Shame. It conquers shame and confidence. Right? Abides, abiding conquers shame and gives confidence to the believer. Very welcome. Does anybody, so this purpose statement, by God's grace today, I will. Did anybody fill that in? Would anybody want to share? Anybody? You don't have to. Today I will live according to his will in heaven. Amen. Live, love, and what? Lead. Amen. Love, lead, and also act. Love, lead, and act according to his will in heaven.
Yeah. And we just command, right? And again, I talked about, there's this video by a guy named Grant Mahoney, it's called Command Your Morning, and I listened to it last night just because I wanted to, to hear what he had to say about this commanding and declaring. And he, again, he has his own list. He's got a big long list of things that he declares, and he breaks agreements and curses, and he speaks blood, and it's just, it's agreement, that's what it is. The power of life and death are in the tongue, right? What we say, it, it shows what we believe. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what I said one day. And I was like, I just don't think that this, that, and the other. And Kim says, well, with that attitude, it won't. Because I just spoke that I didn't think that it would ever. Right? We start saying things like, I don't think it'll ever. It won't ever. Right? Because we're agreeing with that. We start saying, I will. And it's not by our will, but by God's will and by his power. Right? We source from him his will, his love. Yes, we can and we will. Because with God, all things are possible. Right? And so, good. Amen.